Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project Podcast. That's right, this is the show where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company from 1922 and Clara cleans her teeth all the way through the Muppets that's coming up later this year. It's all the films of the Walt Disney Company that we can fit in in our lovely brains, and we discuss them here on this show. I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, owner, proprietor, and chimney sweep over at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining me this evening, we have the two fine film buffs that you have come to know and love who, who make this thing what it is. They actually give you the knowledge while I just sit here and ramble on. First of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter. He is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com, a blogger at TouringPlans.com, and I believe he actually is in charge of the entire internet. I I am. Um, I, I do stuff and it happens. <laughs> it's true. It's very true, folks. He does stuff and other things happen. I, I apologize happens. in advance. I'm just a little under the weather, so you have to forgive me. It's okay. We're, we're going to get through this together, Todd. Yes, be strong. That's right. Yeah. Also joining us this evening, we have Miss Brianna Alessio, who is the attractions blogger over at DisneyDrivenLife.com and is also a blogger of her own at Adventures of Brie at AdventuresofBrie.blogspot.com. Hello, Brie. How are you this evening? Oh, I'm just peachy. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Just, just uh, cruising good. along through life, um, singing a merry song. Very good. That's what we do. It is. Uh, the producer of this program, the woman who uh, edits all this rambling down into some semblance of normalcy, is one Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who joins us live from the Perlmutter household in Central Florida. How are you, Cheryl? Doing good. All right. And guys, we've hit the big time. We are sponsored. Did you know that? We are. By we, are. We, we most certainly are. And, and, and when we get a sponsor, we get a good one. It's touringplans.com. So if you're listening to the show, you are a Disney fan, we're going to assume, and you're probably planning a trip or are on your way to Walt Disney World or Disneyland. And guess what? If you're going to do that, you go to touringplans.com. You can get all the touring plans that are going to make you save time. And you will not wait in line nearly as long. You will save time and money. Go get a subscription there, and you can check out the crowd calendar that tells you the best days of the week to go to each park. You can check out the touring plans for all ages. There's hundreds of touring plans there, all designed to fit your needs. So go over to touringplans.com. They're fine folks, and they uh, decided they wanted to sponsor this show, which we really appreciate it. Go check them out and uh, get a subscription. It'll help you a great deal and save lots of time and money. Thank you, touringplans.com. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So this evening, we are getting you ready for the Halloween season with the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. That's right. <laughs> uh, the 1949 animated film produced by Disney. This is the last of the package films. Uh, there was a stretch there, uh, not to go into too much detail, because I'm sure we'll talk about this in other shows, but um, following world, or during and following World War II, Disney, the studio, was in sort of a, a dire straits. Uh, Fantasia was well-received critically, but not uh, commercially, and uh, the same thing with some, some other things they were doing at the time. The foreign markets dried up, so Disney really had to find ways to create films uh, that was not going to be as expensive. We talked about this a little bit during Dumbo. Uh, but what they ended up doing was these package films, which were films that included more than one subject, not a full-length feature film like Snow White or Pinocchio, uh, but films that featured two subjects, such as tonight's subject, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. 
So again, 1949, it was released in October, so definitely uh, in the Halloween vein. Um, have you guys seen this before, before we uh, watched it for the show? This was my first time. Really? Yeah. Wow. Neat. Well, yeah. I, I watched it when you did it for Tweetwatch, and um, I also um, had seen more, more so the broken up versions of it when I was yeah. younger, not so much the whole version. Really? So yeah. I, 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 I'm like you. So it used to be uh, on Disney Channel back before Hannah Montana and her ilk got hold of it. Uh, they would show this every Halloween night. They would show the uh, uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow section every Halloween night. I remember going and trick-or-treating and coming back, and they would show this every Halloween, and I would watch it. Yeah, it I, I remember Disney made, made some other special, too, where they only had the Headless Horseman part. Yes. Right, and they didn't show anything else. Like it, it would like it, they, and they literally cut all of Ichabod out of the headless horseman part. So it's just the headless horseman running through and going wah, swiping the sword, and then he throws his, and then he throws the he, the head, and that's the end of it. You know, that's like the only those scenes. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I think I they used to show that too when I was growing up, and then I'm pretty sure they used to show that on Halloween. Oh, it would it wouldn't surprise me. I, I definitely remember as a kid, like going out trick or treating and then coming back and, you know, uh, watching the the Ichabod and Ichabod part um, on on Halloween night while I was sitting there stuffing my face with candy. So there we go. I get an unnatural urge for chocolate when I watch that part. Ah, uh, I get an urge for chocolate constantly. Yeah, <laughs> it's fair enough. Yeah. So. Uh, the, we mentioned the fact that they had uh, put this film together as two pieces, you know, that both of these were originally intended for, for separate films. Or I sh- I sh- I'm sorry, I should say The Wind in the Willows definitely was. Um, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow was being worked on in 1946 uh, as a feature film, and it wasn't quite coming together enough to be a full-length film. As you can probably see from, the, from how they put it together... Um, it, it, it was developed on its own, developed separately, but it's really not long enough to be a feature film, whereas The Wind in the Willows probably was. Um, but it's based on the book by Kenneth Graham, the English book, uh, The Wind in the Willows, and what Disney came up with is actually quite different from the book, and they, they actually started working on it in nineteen in the 19, late 1930s. It was, uh, Walt got the rights in 1938. Um, in 1941, they had completed uh, a script after drastically changing a lot of things uh, that we can talk about as we talk about the movie. But after uh, Pearl Harbor, that kind of got put on hold. A lot of the features did, and it wasn't until after the war that they started working on it, and they decided, you know what, we really need to try and pair this up with something else. Yeah. Uh, and they, they started trying to figure out how to do that and um, eventually tried to actually tried to stick the Wind of the Willows into the what eventually became Fun and Fancy Free. Right. Um, it, was, it was originally paired with Mickey and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Uh, they tried to pair it with Mickey and the Beanstalk and then tried to add Bongo and then which is in, which is a part of Fun and Fancy Free and that didn't work. That was too long. So they they ended up cutting Wind of the Willows out. Um, and, and they, you know, at that point figured out that they had this legend of sleepy hollow in, in production and decided to put the two of those things together, uh, because they seem to fit a little more thematically than Bongo and Mickey and the Beanstalk. In, indeed. Did, did you know there's like, um, a story about one of the, um, the animators on the film, he went off to war and four years later, he, after working on this and then four years later, he comes back and he's working on the same thing still. That was yeah. unbelievable. I read that. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I read, I read that when we were looking at stuff for the for the research. And it, but I mean, you know what? I bet a lot of guys had that same experience because there was so much stuff that was being worked on in the '30s. You know, right after Snow White, every Disney bought up I think every book in the known universe to make animated movies out of. And yeah. there was so much stuff that was in development. I mean, like Alice in Wonderland started before the war, and uh, World War II really just put a, put the brakes on production at the studio. Yeah. What was interesting about this, too, uh, Disney's original title for this, I don't know if you guys read it, this as well, was Two Fabulous Characters. And did you guys notice that Basil Rathbone, who narrates um, the story of Mr. Toad, in the beginning he says about, he makes a reference about a fabulous character. So I think that's kind of a nod to the original title. Yeah, it likely is. I mean, they probably had that recorded and, and ready to go already. Yeah, so they probably just decided to keep it in. I, 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 the library intro is interesting because in this in this time period, it's very, very common for, for some reason for the Disney movies to start opening as a book. Yeah. Right? And, and so the, having the whole library is very interesting because it's, it kind of takes that to a whole a next level almost. Right. Yeah. And it's something you'll see you see again with uh, Winnie the Pooh. I mean, many many years later, but it's right. the same sort of idea. Well, Winnie the Pooh, the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, is considered like the revival of the package movies, anyway. Yep. So. Yeah, because it, and that we'll talk about that one, but that one was really you know they were released as shorts and then kind of packaged together, as right. opposed to just being released theatrically. Right, and this was uh, the other way around. So. Exactly. Yeah, and then it would ended up be yeah definitely the, both pieces ended up being split into into their separate parts and released separately many times over on TV and in, in theaters a couple times. So, uh, the the Wind of the Willows opens things up. Uh, or that segment. Uh, the segment's actually called "The Adventures of Mr. Toad," and it uh, it opens up with narration, which is uh, and Bree mentioned it's it's narrated by Basil Rathbone. Yes, who will who is appear? Epic. Yeah, he's he's probably one of the most epic people in this entire uh, sequence. Actually, I think. Oh yeah. So he's. Uh, I mean, should we discuss what he's epic for? We should absolutely do that. Yeah, so he's uh, he's Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he is. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, others have come and gone, but he he is like he is the Sherlock Holmes that when they make other Sherlock Holmeses, they try and make them look like him. And it doesn't yes. work. No, it no. doesn't work. But they try. No. They do try. They they do a pretty good job, but you just can't be Basil Rathbone. I mean, he is the one and only. He, he has one of the in in all of Hollywood. He has one of the most extensive resumes ever, to be honest. Oh yeah. Okay, and he's yeah. and he's got not one, not two, but three stars on Hollywood Boulevard. I believe it. Right. What one, one for motion pictures, one for radio, and one for television. So he is multi um, talented. Fascinated. Absolutely. I have now, a question. Yeah. Was that before the days that you could pay for your own star? You could always pay for your own star. Most people don't, though. Did you know that? That that very few people have actually paid for their own star. They actually go through the uh, effort of raising money to have their star paid for. Hmm. That's it. Because it's because even though you can just plug down the money for it, it's generally frowned upon. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Things that you learn, people. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, Basil Rathbone played Sherlock Holmes in films, in uh, in radio. Did he do it on television? I, don't, I wasn't sure if he did or not. Um, I'm. I would have to check. I I do know he was in another favorite movie of um, 
Breeze, wasn't he? Yes, he was. The Adventures of Robin Hood with Mr. Errol Flynn. One of my favorites. Take a deep breath, Bree. <gasps> okay, I'm good. <laughs> that is, that is, like, how, mu- how much time have you spent waxing poetically about that movie? <gasps> Too much time. I tell everyone and their brother, even my enemies, that they have to see this film. I love The Adventures of Robin Hood so much, but that's not what we're speaking of, so let's go on. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, this one opens with Basil Rathbone telling the story of Toad Hall. So he's talking about Toad Hall and the fact that uh, Toad is not quite the most responsible person. So Angus McBadger has been put in charge of his finances, and his friends Ratty and Mole uh, are worried about Toad because Toad just is not not the most responsible. And Angus McBadger summons Ratty and Mole to Toad Hall basically to tell them that Toad has gone crazy because he has uh, decided to get a horse cart with his loyal with a, a new horse that he is riding around the countryside with uh, named Cyril. Canary Yellow. Yes, a Canary Yellow horse cart at that. You're correct, sir. Uh, and that's where we get the introduction of Toad, which I have to say, like, outside of Johnny Depp in the Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl, this might be my favorite introduction of a character in a Disney film. <laughs> because he just really? he just shows oh he just shows up laughing and singing uh, the one of my favorite um, non Sherman Brothers songs the merrily on the way to nowhere mm-hmm. and I mean like it, you instantly know the character right For, it, it, as soon as he's introduced you know exactly what this guy's all about he's about whatever he sees in front of him and doing that and I love that about him I love I love Toad he's great. This, so this reminds me, right? Now, Toad is uh, voiced by Eric Blore. How do you, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Blore, yeah. I Blore, think, I think it's Blore, okay. yeah. So, did you, so here's a question I had, right? You have, um, you have Eric Blore, and he and Toad look a lot alike, right? Like, if you kind of sort of... And I don't mean that I realize Toad's a Toad, but I mean in terms of... <laughs> but other but, than that... But you know how sometimes they take characters in the movies and they design them to look like the actors who are voicing them? Yeah, yes. right. Fine. This this is definitely seems to me like one of those cases. Yeah. Hmm. The high forehead, the nose, it all feels like it's there if you look at a picture of him, uh, from, especially from the time period. Um, also, do you think that's why um, Ratty and Mole look like Sherlock Holmes and Watson? Because of Basil Rathbone being in the movie? I, I, I know. Very- Good call. Yeah, I know for a fact, only because I've recently done some research into The Great Mouse Detective, which also features Basil Rathbone, mm-hmm. although it's a recorded Basil Rathbone, uh, that they did indeed design uh, Ratty to look like Sherlock Holmes Okay, as a, as a tribute. Uh, I don't know about Moley. Uh, I didn't read anything about that, but I know Ratty. Like, so if you look at Ratty and you look at Basil in The Great Mouse Detective, they're practically the same, except for the you know the fact that one is a mouse and one's a rat. Right. But as far as their bodies and most of their their features, they're they're the same character. I would wow. have to watch the other one again. I haven't watched in a while, so I watched it on Monday. It's quite, let me say, quite disturbing. It's a rather dark film. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, we'll have to get to that one eventually. But I love the way Toad comes into this story. <laughs> Just because, you, like I said, you instantly get the sense of character. And that's something that we lose a lot, I think, today. When, when In movies, they just don't do that as well. Yeah. Um, like I said, the, the Johnny Depp 
uh, being introduced as Jack Sparrow, I think, is the, the most recent film that's done it the best, where the character barely has to do much, but you already know who the character is and how they're going to act based on their introduction. I think that's that's key, especially in a movie like this, where it's like, you know, that section of the film is only about 34 minutes. So right. yeah, you need to get it across pretty quickly. Yeah, um, indeed. But so he and Cyril are cruising through the countryside and... Uh, Literally... Yes, <laughs> knocking pretty much everything in their way over. Uh, and Angus has given us the background that, that Toad gets caught up in these manias, right? So whatever he finds is the next thing, he just is obsessed with it. And so that's perfect information because across comes a red motor car, and both Toad and Cyril, the horse, which I didn't understand, uh, decide that the motor car is the thing that Toad needs next. Like, wouldn't Cyril be upset about that? Isn't that, like, replacing him? But no, Cyril was tired of being, you know, turning Toad around all the time. It was a lot of work, you know? Yeah, he needs a car ride, too. (laughs) (laughs) It could be. Maybe. It's going to have to be a big car. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Toad, Toad gets obsessed with the motor car, and it's... At that point, that uh, Ratty and Mole decide they have to lock him up so that he does not go out and do something silly to get the motor car. And I think we all know how that's going to work. Yeah, not very well. No, no not well at all. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. So they lock him up, and he immediately leaves. More uh, importantly, those those they they needed to learn that those those cutouts in the walls are actually windows, and they lead to the outside. <laughs> <laughs> You would think Ratty and Mole, supposed to be the responsible ones, would know things like that. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. It didn't Nothing. sell well, but it, it's funny nonetheless. Yes, it is. Uh, but to, it turns out Toad gets uh, gets out, and he we don't know what he what he has done, uh, but until he comes back with the motor car and uh, ends up then getting hauled away by the police for stealing the motor car, uh, and Toad decides to do his own defense in, in court, because, of course, why wouldn't he? Uh, and and Cyril testifies. Cyril is the witness that Toad calls, which I think is mistake number one. You don't call the horse first. I think you got to go with a character witness or something. Don't, don't put the cart before the horse. Sorry. Good oh! Please. Hey, there you go. <laughs> but he calls Cyril as his witness, and Cyril says that, no, Toad traded Toad Hall for the motor car, and he traded it to Winky the bartender. And Winky the bartender says, no, I didn't. Uh, he didn't do that. He tried to sell me a stolen motor car, and they put poor Toad in jail for that. Right. Not and, right. And, Not right and, now. and let's let's also point out that in between there, uh, McBadger has a heart attack. Yes. <laughs> as as McBadgers yeah. want to do. Yes. Yes. Because it just wasn't exciting enough. Did, did, can I just ask a question? Did you did you not want him to just go Angus McBadger of the Clan McBadger? Sorry. Yes, actually, I did. <laughs> that would have been kind of (laughs) nice and can I just say that throughout this film well throughout the first part of the film I should say my heart belongs to the mole I absolutely adore him he is a cutie he's so sweet he's kind of sort of the heart at the center of the little of the little piece I think he is he's such a cutie pie I have to say they should do like plush figures of the characters from this part of the film yes I agree. Even like, Mr. Winky would make a good little dude. Right. 
and then I'm sure like it would go out, it, it would be extinct within five years, and then you know my daughter would ask for it for Christmas because that's the kind of thing she does. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, the, the Toad goes to jail. And the funny thing that I found about it, so Cyril goes and breaks Toad out of jail, and that that's a fun sequence with Toad on a train. Like sh- the cops are chasing him and shooting at him. Yes. Which seems a little bit of an overkill. It, it, it very yeah. excessive. But he was. But they play up the fact that he's like in an iron steam train, right? Because the bullets right. are just bouncing off, and he's like too small for them to even be hitting anyway. Right. It's just kind of bizarre. <laughs> to be yeah, honest, it's a little bit out there. Yeah. So I have a. So here's the thing about steam trains, right? And they do because they do the same thing in like Bugs Bunny cartoons. Is does more coal going into the steam train actually make the train go faster? I. I um, I don't think so. We gotta try. We gotta take the train at Magic Kingdom and try this someday. <laughs> it's happening May. It's happening in May, people. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll, that'll be one of our one of our uh, Disney Film Project meets where we just get on the steam train and start shoveling coal. Yes, uh, I love it. The coal it's happening. <laughs> and we're going to sing hi-ho while doing so. Yes. I'll sure be raising you. bail money for all you guys. Yeah, that's what it's about yeah. to say. <laughs> Twitter people love us. We'll start a foundation. <laughs> we need to start soliciting donations now. So please send your your money, too. I think <laughs> we should do it. I think we should really do is save up the money and take the behind the train tour. And that way we do it legitimately. And we ask the cast members in. Oh, we could do that. Well, but what's the fun in that? Exactly, that's no fun. But no that fun. does that does not get us arrested, nor in trouble, nor being from Disney, man. Does that mean we're going to ask them if we can make the train go faster? I'm a little confused. No, we're going to ask them how the coal works in the train. Oh, I get the phys- I get the process and the physics of it. I just don't understand if it actually makes. I don't understand enough about trains to know if it actually makes the train go faster. So that's what we ask them. See, we want to go all Polar Express on this train. No, we don't yes. want. No, we're not going. Yes, we no. do off-road training no, on do. ice. Yes. 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 One hundred percent. Yeah. No. Totally. <laughs> all right. So we're doing. We've decided it's three to one. We're doing this. All right. So Toad is taking the train cross country and being shot at. But what I really found funny because that's just like over the top and crazy. What I find funny is Ratty and Molly sitting in their house on Christmas Eve, like just despondent about poor Toad. For some reason, that just cracks me up because they're just sitting there like, "Oh, poor Toad." Well, he's got to learn his lesson. I wish he could get out of jail. You know, I mean, just just watching that, I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, really. And then Toad just falls right in their laps, of course. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's uh, almost literally because he falls off the bridge and then swims over to their house, basically. Well, Well, he literally falls in McBadger's lap when McBadger comes in. That's true, yes. He does. Was he hanging from the Christmas tree, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was. That's when I, I, speaking of, that's when I used to see this one a lot. I would see this one around Christmas time. They would show. Yeah, so why have they never had Mr. Toad, uh, the things that you put at the top of the Christmas tree? Christmas toppers, I guess. I don't know what it's called. (laughs) In in the grandmother's. Toad on your tree. (laughs) 
in the grandmother outfit with the ball and chain, no less. Why not? Get <laughs> the great grandmother toad right now. <laughs> I mean, granted, I'm I'm Jewish. I don't get the whole thing necessarily, but you know, I gotta ask the question. Hey, I think because, and this is only a theory, is that because. Toe goes to H E double hockey sticks. I won't say the rest of it. You get, you kids can figure it out yourselves. But only in the ride, right? He doesn't. He doesn't, no, I, he doesn't do it but that's what. But that's what I'm thinking. Because he goes to H E double hockey sticks in the ride, that they don't want to make that connection. With, really? With Christmas and H E double hockey sticks, definitely do not get along. Yeah, okay, so can we talk about this for a minute? Because I looked long and hard. So I knew the scene is not in the movie, in the, in the movie though a lot of people for, think it is, right? Right. But how did they arrive at putting, we'll stick with Cheryl's H-E double hockey set because I'm kind of enjoying that. In, yeah. in, <laughs> and in, if children know, know what that means, parents, it's your fault. So what, what, what made them put that in the ride if it has nothing to do with the movie? I guess that's my question. I have no idea. I mean, because cause in, in, the, in the ride, for those that either haven't been to Disneyland recently or don't remember what it was like when it was at Disney World, right? You, 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 you're, you actually drive the car up onto the train tracks and then go there, right? And it's, uh, it's, but yes, there's a train in the movie, but it has nothing to do with it. I just don't understand how they made the leap when they made the thing. Not that I hated Mr. Toad or anything, the ride. It's just, you know, I just don't understand how the leap was made. And I couldn't find anything that described that. Yeah, I'll have to uh, I'll have to do some digging because I have I have research materials on this, but I just didn't dig into the ride because we're we're a movie podcast. But I will no, I will I... do some digging and I will report back. How about that? Oh, you knew the ride would come up. I know. by the way, you guys, I have an idea to pitch to Disney. Oh yeah. We totally make Mr. Toad antenna toppers. I love it. In the grandma outfit. That's even better than the Christmas tree. No, no, that's disturbing, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> What's even more disturbing than that was that Seal showed up in the grandma outfit. <laughs> this is very, very valid point. Yeah. I, but, but here's the thing, right? They don't sound the alarm until after Toad's already on. So this means that somebody actually bought that the big, huge grandma walked out as a small, little grandma. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't understand the plan of getting Toad out by switching the giant horse for the tiny Toad. I didn't really understand who was going to fall for that, but I guess it worked. It did. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Toad gets back and, and reveals that he actually did trade the deed to Toad Hall to uh, Winky because McBadger figures it out because he goes over to Toad Hall and sees Winky there with the weasels who are traveling in, back in time from Who Framed Roger Rabbit to join this movie. Yes. Because, the time machine, people. Yeah. yeah. Todd and I didn't want to say anything, but we, I think we've got that, that fixed, and we brought the, the weasels back to, to, go, to go in this movie. But anyway. Yeah, uh, They're busy organizing my closet. Yeah. So the yeah. weasels have taken over Toad Hall, and Toad and McBadger and Molly and Rat, they find the secret tunnel into Toad Hall, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> Like that was every, every English manor must have a secret passageway and a secret tunnel, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. especially one that a mole could find. Yeah, it's so this that's actually a good point. It, it's it's important to note that this is not this um 
short is this like like most of the shorts except for the one that we're about to discuss is one of the ones that's not the case does not take place in the United States it takes place in exactly. in England so yeah correct important to note yeah so it, it they they come in and then they have a uh, a fun romp of a of a ride as they try to get the deed back which uh, they a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible moment. Yes, yeah. it certainly was. <laughs> <laughs> with with mole, no less. Yeah, it was kind of odd because it's like exactly his arms are out and it's the whole thing and it's like, it's like, you know, you try and think there's a connection when you know there cannot possibly be a connection. It's more just coincidence, but it's still really close. <laughs> oh, I think I think Mission Impossible <laughs> stole it from this. That's what I'd say. Yeah, you think they said let's let's dress Tom up like Molly and put him in a and drop him down on top of a thing. And spread out your arms like the mole. I think <laughs> I think they saw it on Disney Channel and they said, you know what? That's cool. We could do that. Only make it look cool with straps and black stuff. They just yeah. grabbed a whole bunch of gear and slapped it on him, spray painted it black, and they said, here you go. That's Indeed. what I'm saying. Yeah. Because I'm sure when they were directing Mission Impossible, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad was the first movie that came to their minds. Of course it was. Yeah, wasn't, why wouldn't it be? Wasn't there a car chase in that movie? Hello, right from the Headless yeah. Horseman. Oh. Exactly, yeah. I, I think the guy in Mission Impossible even threw a pumpkin if you look close. I'm just saying. <laughs> he threw a bomb, didn't he? Well, that's close enough. Exactly. Yep. I think we found it here, people. Mission Impossible is merely a remake of The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I think yep. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No Star Wars connections in this one, but yet a Mission Impossible connection. Yep. Yep. Gee, Thaddeus Toad, your mission should you choose to accept. Gee, <laughs> 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 Thaddeus Super Spy. So here's an interesting thing. So remember we are discussing all the guns used against Toad earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah. In, in this battle, there are no guns. No, but there are a lot of sharp objects. There's knives, there's clubs, <laughs> there's axes, there's maces, and just about everything else, okay? Oh, but yeah. there are no guns used in this entire yeah. battle. Bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of odd. But, I mean, they are throwing some sharp objects like crazy. Yeah, they are. Uh, like, when, the, when they're trying to duck behind a wall, the secret passage wall... Like, there's just knives and axes and everything flying at them. I, I kind of wondered where the weasels were getting all of this stuff, or if Toad just, like, collected antique weapons or something. Well, there were a lot of uh, suits of armor all over Toad Hall, if True. you look closely. So probably they were coming from their well-armed knights. But I guess as, as J. Thaddeus Toad, spy extraordinaire, he would have that sort of stuff laying That's around. That's right. He probably has a whole room of it. Kind of like bedknobs and broomsticks. There you go. Yeah. It all comes full circle. Yep. Yeah, everything's connected. Yep. That was in England, too. Yes, it was. Wait, what if Toad Hall was really the same building? That's right. Maybe this Maybe this took place at Toad Hall in the time period before Winky moved in and Toad was missed in jail. Yes. Oh. You guys. Boom. Wow. We are finding all sorts of connections with this. Oh, Cheryl, yeah. That just happened, yep. <laughs> yep. Cheryl, do a chart or something that we could... Yeah, put this all in the notes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but uh, so this this is the famous piece, I think. Most most people have probably heard the Nowhere in Particular song, or they've seen the part where 
Ratty Moley and McBadger get into Toad Hall, and the D and Toad is folding paper airplanes and throwing them all around the building uh, as they try to find the deed. So the, he's throwing the paper airplanes to throw the weasels off because everybody's trying to get pieces of paper and trying to get the deed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but they do end up getting the deed back, and they end up, you know, getting Toad Hall back. And Toad promises to reform. Uh, however, um, that doesn't happen. Now he he gets an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. <laughs> Should have let him keep the car. Just saying. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Right? Although, if they let him keep the car, then he couldn't have had Toad Hall. So... That's true. There's that. Mm. But uh, that's true. So, the interesting... So, it's an interesting contrast between that and the second of this movie which is The Legend of Sleepy Hollow which I want to make a disclaimer yes. that I was really not watching The Legend of Sleepy Hollow because Lou Mangiello was on from Hawaii that that night so I'm sorry the, the like Hawaii like drew me in so I kind of half watched Sleepy Hollow alright I'm disappointed in you <laughs> I have to say blame Lou I blame Lou I'm just laying it out there, Cheryl. You know? Wait, no, I see what you went to Hawaii already? <laughs> I have never been to Hawaii. I don't know what that could possibly have to do with this conversation. Uh-huh. Um, but moving on. So it's an interesting contrast between The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and, and uh, Adventures of uh, Mr. Toad's. Because Mr. Toad is a full voice cast. Everybody's speaking. Um, we still have the narrator, Basil Rathbone. But it's it's just a normal it's it's done like a normal feature film, right? Yeah. Whereas The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is much more in the vein of what we saw in um, Fun and Fancy Free or in Make My Music or Melody Time, some of those movies, the the other package features, where we have one narrator who does all the voices, all the singing, everything, and tells the tale, and the characters just do the acting. So the animated exactly. acting and uh, it's. Mr. Bingaling himself, Bing Crosby, who does the voice, and and hey, give it up for Bing Crosby, right? Yeah, love Bing, love Bing. So, so between Bing Crosby and Basil Rathbone, do you think this is probably like the best narrated movie ever? Yes. I think it's definitely a uh, possibility. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, it's, it's just it's you know you have you have the you know the crooner and. Uh, and Sherlock Holmes, I mean, does it get better? But this may this might be actually be the movie that has the most star power. Just those two alone. Can you think about like the box office between the two of them? If oh, you adjust yeah. for inflation. Oh yeah. So, so I- Ichabod's little yelps and screams and stuff like that. They're they're um by um, Pinto Kovig. And yes. you know who, you know who he is. He is the voice of one Goofy and Pluto. How about that? Bam. Right there, dropping some knowledge. Oh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Bing, Bing Crosby is the narrator here and tells us about Ichabod Crane coming into town as the new schoolmaster uh, and Brom Bones, who, I mean, fantastic naming. So, you got to credit, credit uh, Washington Irving for that, uh, who wrote the original The Legend of Sleepy Hollow Tale. But Brom Bones is kind of the big, bulky Gaston esque. Character? Yes, thank yes, you. As soon as definitely. I saw him, I was like, oh, that's Gaston, yeah. Yeah, the, yep. whole, the whole story rings like that, actually, the whole, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So Brom Bones is the is the uh, Gaston character for for us modern folks, and uh, Ichabod is you know the lanky, gangly um, school school teacher who falls in love with Katrina Van Tassel, who I, I have to say, way to go, animators, because they made her so cute and just like they made her cute, but a little bit you know aloof and everything i mean like the, the acting that they managed to pull off with her i think is great like they, they nailed the town flirty girl like perfectly yeah oh she, she was adorable she reminded me a lot of princess aurora really hmm. yeah i feel sure. that oh i guess color wise sure i don't know that i agree otherwise so no, she had the blonde hair, you know, the blue and eyes, the, and the, the figure. purpley lavender outfit. Yeah, I, I agree, color-wise. I don't know about the rest of it. I had a problem with her character, though. So I get that she is the town flirt. However, it made it look as though, even though the characters didn't speak, it made it look like she was actually falling in love with Ichabod Crane. Then as soon as he, quote-unquote, disappears, she goes off and marries Brom Bones and is okay with this. You know, she's kind of ignorant. And as I wrote right here on my homework, not cool. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. She Back then, I guess she was the variant sort. I don't know. Was she supposed to be like Nora, maybe, and, and, and sit out there waiting for Paul? <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, I don't know. That's right. There was no Gordon Fisherman in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no Elliot to, 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 find, to find Ichabod and get, but, get him back there. That's the thing. That was the problem. Like, everyone was just, okay. the way, it just, I don't know. But we didn't get to the ending yet, so go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think she was playing the two of them off of each other, sort of like a survival of the fittest thing, because there's the whole scene where Ichabod goes to her house and is trying to flatter her, and Brom is outside, and they're sort of, Brom keeps trying to level Ichabod, but he keeps, you know, Ichabod kind of, haphazardly foils him, not on ten- not intentionally, just, you know, from whatever his motions. He'll duck when Brahm's swinging his fist, that sort of thing. And then at the dance, the same thing, when they're dancing, like, they're, I-, I felt like she was playing them against each other, and she was, like, fine with whomever she ended up with. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> But I, I don't think that, yeah, that didn't reflect well on her character. I agree with you in that sense, Bree. Like, she was yeah. definitely just, you know, whomever whoever she can get. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Can, can I just say that if, if they ever do put alcohol in Magic Kingdom in a bar form, that it has to be called the Old Age Schnooker and Schnapp Shop? Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> For sure. Or they should just change the Sleepy Hollow refreshments to that. No, no the no, rumor, no, no. the I rumor want my ice cream cookie sandwich that can have the, black. <laughs> Yay! The okay. rumor, the rumor is that be, when they put be, when they put the castle beast castle in, they're gonna have some type of butter beer equivalent. Whoa! Yeah, that's why I read today. But there's, but there's a few different types of butter beer at um at Universal. But that's what I heard. Interesting. Heard yeah. whatever. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. That's for sure. Uh, so yeah, Brahma. I mean, the whole the whole short is really just about the the, the back and forth between Ichabod, Katrina, and Brahm, and and that takes up a good like a good twenty minutes of of this kind of thirty minute short. 
but it's done really well. Like it seems like that would get boring, and I guess it can. But it, like I, I like it because it's 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 really it's really good. It's funny. There's gags. There's you know there's fun stuff. There's some inventive animation. Like when he reaches up and pulls Katrina down from his dream bubble. I really oh, like yeah. that. You know. So Definitely. there's there's fun stuff there. But the real the real meat of the short and what everyone I'm sure has seen uh, before in in a clipped version is the headless horseman piece where Brahm sings about you can't reason with a headless man, which I have to think is probably a great title for a song. Oh, for sure. Yeah, uh, where he tells the story of the headless horseman. Uh, the headless horseman's going to ride through the night and cut off your head because he needs one. Because um, don't we all really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and he he figures out that Ichabod is, is superstitious, which is why he does this, and he thinks this is going to scare him off. And so when, of course, when Ichabod leaves, that that piece where it, when Ichabod leaves and then the headless horseman shows up, yeah. that piece is probably one of the best animated sequences in all of Disney's films. Uh, Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston worked on it. And it's just a constant motion. Um, there's gags in there. The the way that the headless horseman is drawn, like I don't know if you guys noticed this. I noticed it this time. He there's no outline on the headless horseman. Like on most characters, they have a black line that out, outlines them and separates the colors from the, the color palettes in the background. There is not that on the headless horseman or his horse. Mm. Interesting. So he's just a black shape with accents of the different colors so the purple or the orange or you know whatever they're, they're doing so if you look at if you watch the film again and look at it he, he doesn't have that outline that the other characters do in the movie and it makes him seem more ethereal and more ghost-like huh that's interesting just a little hmm. knowledge a little knowledge yeah. drop here oh yeah but yeah it's it, it's it's a big chase scene basically throughout the forest um, and, and the most chilling moment, I have to say, is Ichabod finds the, he hears this, this, these hooves, and he's freaking out because he's heard the Headless Horseman tale, and he turns out it's, it's just reeds, you know, banging on a log. And he starts right. laughing along with the horse, and all of a sudden you hear the Headless Horseman laugh. That's probably the scariest moment. Yeah, it movie. is. It is. My heart was even beating a little bit faster when I heard the laugh. <laughs> it was making me think of Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party when I went for the first time in 2002 with my parents, and I had no idea what to expect, and all of a sudden the headless horseman comes running around the corner, and that was seriously one of the most exciting moments of my life. <laughs> it, is a, it is quite a sight to behold if you've not seen it before. It is. I just like shovel dancing. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, yes. Shovel dancing for the win. Yep, shovel dancing. Everybody loves sweeping the yep. nation. <laughs> but yeah, so we get we get the headless horseman chase, and we get the Ichabod. Ichabod had been told in the song that if you get across the bridge, you're safe. And so he gets across the bridge, and the headless horseman hurls his flaming pumpkin head at him, uh, and and it's left open ended. So Ichabod's hat the next morning, the shattered pumpkin. Uh, Brom marrying Katrina, which causes Bree all kinds of, of strife. But the rumor is that Ichabod... So not right. Yeah. 
the Ichabod just left and married a a, uh, a rich widow far away, but the people in Sleepy Hollow don't believe that. So my my question to the two of you: Do you believe Brom Bones was the headless horseman? Hmm. Oh, you know what? It never even occurred to me if he was or wasn't. Really? Yeah. No, I never I never even thought of it because I just think of them as separate characters anyway. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of so I, it, it's entirely possible I'm not a big fan of um, assumptive storylines we've had this conversation before right yeah right so I, I, I think that would be expecting there, there's nothing to substantiate that at all in the rest of the movie so I can't believe it was ever the intent I don't know about that I don't know because Brom Bones is kind of taunting him yeah, and, and well, and the reason why I say that is because in the narration he says, um, you know, Brahm saw his opportunity to get rid of Ichabod, and that's right. when, and he's the one who comes up with the story, and he's the one who sings the song, and so it, I, I find it entirely possible, although you, you, it's true, there's nothing there that explicitly says it. I find it entirely possible that he's the one who went out, and he, and remember in the story. While he's singing yeah. the song, he does kind of dress up like the headless horseman. True, but I mean, it would it would be assuming that what they're showing us Ichabod is seeing is not necessarily actually what he's seeing, right? Because let's say he he hypothetically got out on his horse and went after Ichabod as the headless horseman, right? he wouldn't be dressed quite the same as what Ichabod was seeing, and it's not the same horse. I mean, his horse isn't big black and breathing fire. <laughs> right? Right. Which is True. what Ichabod was seeing. Because I, I agree, it is potentially possible that Ichabod is so scared that all we're seeing is what he saw through his own eyes. Right? Which, yeah. right. which is something that movies tend to do sometimes. Sometimes you're seeing through a character's eyes and you don't realize it until a certain point. But uh, honestly... While I think Brom is bright enough to come up with the idea to scare him with the story, I don't think he's bright enough to go dress up and I don't know go go all the way with it. I, I just don't, don't think I just can't see it. I mean, Brom might be responsible for the things that happened right before the headless horseman arrived, like the reeds beating against the log. He might have done something, or that tree that had the shape of a monster or ghost or something. Like he might have been responsible for those things. And maybe it was really the Headless Horseman in that second part, but I don't know. I don't you know, know. What it is? I just want to believe that the Headless Horseman is real. <laughs> you know what? And I think that's what we should believe. All in favor? I agree. I agree. I agree. So I, I know it might be strange that we would bring up Ben Dobbs and Room 6 again, but um, why is it that uh, these songs that like are just like about a person's name being repeated over and over again and are like really catchy? <laughs> right, you, have, you know, because Eglantine, right? You know, it's like Eglantine, and it's like the same thing. Goodbye, goodbye. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. This one, this this movie in all has great underrated music. I have to say, yeah, there's, there's the not nowhere, a lot of it. Yeah, the nowhere in particular song, that song, and I love the the Bing Crosby. You know, think about this. Disney got Bing Crosby to sing a movie for him. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I'm I'm doubting many people actually know that. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe actually. 
Yeah. And that's so. Uh, you know what's funny is so they make this big thing in the opening credits about this um this band that sings with Bing Crosby. This the the Rhythmiaries. Yeah. Right. And they basically they might have had a career outside of movies. Maybe I don't know, but I can't like find them ever. They they're not credited on any other soundtracks really. You know. Um, I'm not true. They're they're in the one with the black sheep, the the one with the kids and the sh- and the. Uh, so dear to my heart. Yeah, but um, it's uh, it's just like it's weird because they made it's such a big deal. And I went and I said, "Oh, this is cool. Let's see what they did." You know, and it's like I can't find anything really about them, no discographies or anything. It's kind of disappointed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, disappointing. It happens, though. Yeah. There's, um... So, you know what's interesting? It's, like, the characters that they mention, right? So, um... Well, so, who's who's Becky Sharp? Can someone explain that to me? Who? All right, so... Becky Sharp? Yeah, so when they're they're introducing Mr. Toad, right, they make the list of characters for Mr. Toad, right? And so they go Robin Hood. I got who Robin Hood is. They go King Arthur. I know who King Arthur is. Uh, they mentioned Sherlock Holmes. I get that one. Oliver Twist. I know it. And then they go Becky Sharp. Hmm. And I don't know who Becky Sharp is. I don't know either. She could be a, a spy along with Toad. Just saying. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, 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 oh. Vanity Fair. Got it. Now it all comes. Oh. Yeah, there okay. you go. Oh, no wonder I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I have honestly not not seen any any adaptations of it and never read the book. I, I also thought the um the, the characters that are mentioned for Ichabod on his lead-in are actually pretty interesting because they're all they're I think they're all or almost all things that uh, Disney has turned into um you know into characters that they you know and creations that they have. So because the list is they go Paul Bunyan, Pecos Bill, Johnny Appleseed. Black Bart, who I think is one that they didn't do, and Davy Crockett, and then Daniel Boone. Yep. So they I would thought, eventually get to all of those. Yeah. So it's I thought that was pretty cool because it was I, you know sometimes because sometimes there is foreshadowing in this. Like for example, they say um, they say Toad has motor mania, and then the Goofy short that's released the following year is called Motor Mania. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know things like that. So it, it's, you know, these themes tend to be carried forward. Um, I thought, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I did want to mention, um, what is it, um, J, J. Pat O'Malley, who played uh, Cyril Proudbottom. He um, he was in uh, Alice in Wonderland. He was Tweedledee, Tweedledum, and the Walrus, right? Cool. And, right. and do, do, do you know that he was also Sergeant O'Reilly on the Swamp Fox? The, what is it, eight or nine episodes of the Swamp Fox? Oh, okay. No, I did not know that. Yeah. Very cool. That's, that's one of those live-action series that Disney did on their... Was it Wonderful World of Disney that that was on? I forget. Yes, it was. It yeah. was on Wonderful World of Disney. There we go. So, um, I thought, um, what is it, um, John McLeish, he was, um, <coughs> sorry, my voice. Uh, he's a prosecutor who's, uh, the guy who's, you know, being all mean to Toad and to Cyril, right? And Cyril gets back at him, which is actually one of my favorite moments in the movie is when Cyril kind of sticks it back to the prosecutor. He was also, um, the narrator for a lot of the early Disney movies and shorts. 
and he was the narrator for Dumbo as well. All right, um, Oliver Wallace, who is one of two people credited to play Mr. Winky, which I thought was kind of weird because Mr. Winky basically has like four lines, right? Yeah. <laughs> but apparently two people <laughs> did those lines. I, I didn't understand that at all. Um, he's, um, he was, he was responsible, he didn't, write the music for the for the movie but he's responsible for the musical direction of the movie he's also done music in darby o'gill Ode yeller lady and the tramp peter pan alice in wonderland etc he's in charge of all the music um so he's got a lot of uh work under him there so i like that um and i thought here so here's an interesting little just little connection because i have to have some kind of weird little connection right is so before there was uh, before Disney owned Winnie the Pooh, and before um, Mr. Toad was uh, property owned by uh, Disney as well, okay, they um, did you know that um, A. A. Milne, who did um, Winnie the Pooh, he also wrote a screenplay based on the the book called the Toad of, and it was called the Toad of Toad Hall. Okay. Right, and this was in like the late twenties, I think he wrote the play. So I just thought it was interesting because there's like a Winnie the Pooh. Mr. Toad connection right there, which plays to the ride a little bit, so, you know. Uh, let's awesome. not discuss that. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, true, true enough. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily like it either, it just, sometimes I bow to what is, so, you know. Yeah. I guess you have to, right? Um, yeah, so no it, to, to be fair, it's not that the Winnie the Pooh ride is a bad ride, it's just like, could they just have left, left the other one in and built, you know, mis built it as well, you know, and had both, I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. So, the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. What did we think? Um, so, I would ask Cheryl, but she didn't watch the whole thing. So, you know. <laughs> so, uh, wait, wait. I have a question. Are we rating each half, or are we rating the whole? I think you'd have to rate the. It, it was released as a feature film. I think you have to rate it as a feature film. Okay, I'm. I'm there. Okay. That's that's, so, that's my vote. So I'm going with a three point five then. Okay. And that's for the half that you saw. <laughs> for all of it. Because I, I did watch she, it while watching it Hawaii. Anyways, no, so. I did watch all it right. while I was watching about Hawaii. Okay. But I would right. give Hawaii a five. <laughs> Me too. I would, I would agree with that. All right. Bree, what do you think? Yeah, um... I don't know. Everything about this just seemed very incomplete to me, which I understand because it was only an hour for, for both because it's really like two shorts. So being two shorts, I mean, I want to give it more than I'm going to, but I really can't. Um, I'm actually going to give this one two and a half. Um, it, it just, as I said, was incomplete. And I love the story of the Headless Horseman, so I was just really disappointed in how it ended just abruptly like that. But sorry, two and a half. Wow, that's rough, man. Mm. All right, Todd, what'd you think? So, um, I, I'm not as bothered by it. I mean, I, I enjoy them, but there's a lot of nostalgia factor in there for me, you know, and so I, I'm i going to go with the three and note that that has nostalgia factor thrown in. I did want to comment on what Bree said, is that um, the original story actually ends exactly the same way. It leaves you hanging. So. Yeah. Right, but I mean, like, they went right to the music as soon, that's what I mean, like, it was that abrupt. There wasn't even a moment of silence for Ichabod. <laughs> it just kind of went boom, you well, know? Well, that that's how Disney movies of the era ended, is they did all the credits up front instead of at the end, so that there was no, re once you, once you're done, you're done, the end, and you're out, kick the people out of the theater. Yeah, but that's what a happy ending. Interesting. I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, I myself, I give it a four. I love both parts of this. Uh, like I said, I, I, the Ichabod part uh, is has fond memories for me for Halloween, and the Mr. Toad part, I just love Toad. So he's one of my favorite uh, animated characters that they've come up with, uh, from especially from this era. There, there was still just wasn't a lot going on in this era, so I really enjoy it. So I give it a four. Cool. Very good. There you go. All right, so that is our uh, Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So get ready for Halloween, folks. Go out and check this one out and listen to, after you listen to the show or before you listen to the show, which I don't know how you would do that if you haven't listened to the show. Uh, we want to thank our sponsor, uh, touringplans.com. So make sure that you go check those guys out. We will put a link to them in our show notes. You can go to the show notes at disneyfilmproject.com. Let us know what you think. And uh, from there, you can also uh, go to iTunes, and you can leave a review for the show. We would really appreciate that. It helps people find the show uh, and when they search for Disney film or Disney movies. Uh, please do that, because the last time I checked, uh, we ranked behind prom, and, and that just cannot stand. Oh, that can't happen, people. Yes. Yeah. Everybody, go there now. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah, star ratings. Whatever you want to give us for a star rating, but make the comment. Yes, please do. So uh, you can also keep in touch with us on Facebook at facebook.com. Uh, go check us out, Disney Film Project there. Um, and on Twitter, we are at Dis Film Project. So let us know what you think of the episodes. Post on our wall. Um, post when we when we post the new episodes and the link goes up. Just just let us know what you're thinking. We always like to hear what you guys are thinking about and the show. And our email address. Yes, indeed, and which would be? Disfilmproject at gmail.com. Yeah, it would. Send us an email. Oh, it, and uh, if maybe- you nominate us for podcast awards... Thank you. We appreciate your nomination. Hopefully you'll get selected. Yes, and remember that you can listen to us on Stitcher. So get your Stitcher app and you can listen to us on your phone and enjoy uh, the the show on the go, on demand, on your schedule. That's right. So you can do that as well. All right. So uh, until next week, don't try to reason with a headless man. Stay safe out there, people. Take a look at that spook of spooks. We're all going to H-E double hockey sticks. I hope not, at least.